Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And, I, you know, I, I realized later what I really wanted to write about was the generosity of the guy in the shop because it represented the way New Yorkers treated each other um, in all those days. You couldn't go anywhere if someone didn't offer you something for free. You know, do you want some water? Are you hungry? Do you need to eat? And they wouldn't take payment for it. New Yorkers were really trying to take care of each other. And, um, you know, the column is about the fact that, that there was one act of spectacular, hideous evil that day but really hundreds of thousands of, of smaller acts of goodness. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. That was Sally Jenkins on the show yesterday, and this is from Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. Next time you talk to Sally, tell her thanks for making me cry. I'm a 63-year-old man. It ain't a good look. Seriously, it was a marvelous piece. I wouldn't have known about it had you not mentioned it. Like yourself, I have generally stayed away from 9-11 memorial pieces because they have the capacity to shake me to my core. But on your recommendation, I read Sally's essay. I feel I'm better for it. Thanks. And that is all you're trying for. When you put somebody like Sally on to talk about a piece like that, it's the recognition that the piece stirs you and moves you in ways that you did not expect. And it's just a great, great piece of writing. Right, Michael? I mean, that was just tremendous. Um, let us start the show by plugging people who are part of the show. Uh, Dan Byrne tonight and Brandon Costello will be with him. And Michael, where will they be? They're down on the southwest waterfront. So maybe this is uh, what you're doing after going to see a baseball game. Who knows? And what's the name of the place? Do not know. I'm trying to Google that for you because you did not wait for one Nigel to check into the, to oh, the, to the show. Yeah. Well, we'll get that. And we'll as soon as we get that, as soon as Nigel shows up where he lives... And clocks in. Oh, I've got it. Okay. I'm working on it, working on it. What? Uh, Pearl Street Warehouse. Yes. Doors Pearl- open at 6.30 p.m. 21 plus. I guess I guess the hammer can't see his favorite no. performer live. So, But it's interesting. You get to roll the dice, and if you shoot 7 or 11, you get in for free. The first 10 people who shoot 7 or 11, or as the coasters say, shooting 7 come 11 down in the boys' gym, Charlie Brown. That's 60 years old. Uh, yeah, so you get to see Dan Byrne, and you get to see Brandon Costello. Happy to plug them important part of the show. I have no air conditioning in my upstairs. I have no air conditioning in my attic. It's not going to be fixed till at least Thursday. There's a broken part. The air conditioner's done. They came over yesterday, Crop Metcalf. We have service contracts with them on everything. They're the one they, with five stars? Yeah, they're efficient. They're good. They said, we can't fix it. We don't have the part. They had to find the part somewhere. Apparently, there's a part somewhere in Virginia. And it seems to me... Somewhere if, in if Virginia. In, yeah, if you're in, should be here It's a pretty today. big state. Um, if you're in the air conditioning repair business, it seems to me that there should be parts laying around your warehouse. But that's just me. Anyway, Crop Metcalf, I hope, will be here uh, by Thursday and fix this thing. In the interim, I'm schwitzing like an Airedale in the attic. We have fans. It's, Michael- not, it's not like heat rises. Oh, it is like heat rises. Whoops. It's like heat rises, and it's over 90 degrees. When we did the show yesterday in the attic, it was over 90 degrees. We had some fans, but it was toasty. You brought over a fan today? I brought over a, uh, yeah, a Dyson bladeless fan. And how great is this? So yesterday was the first time the boys checked in to watch uh, the 530 open because we wanted to see what she looked like. And, and <laughs> Bootsy and the Hammer go, Grandpa Tony. Yeah. And Bootsy then goes, and Wilbon? We haven't seen Wilbon in a while. Yeah. So you interrupted Super Rigs because we wanted to see if you were going to pass out. So yeah, it was pretty hot. <laughs> Today's going to be worse. I know. It's going to be worse. Um, Heat index close to 100. Matt Kelleher said, wear a tank top. I said, no, I'm not wearing a tank top. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I'm not wearing a tank top. No, but it's really hot up there, and I don't, you know, there's not much I can do about it except sort of grimace and go through it. One thing I'm not doing is I'm waiting for Will Bond to be set. I'm waiting for Will Bond to be mic'd up and wired and ready to go, and then I'm going up into the attic. But I'm in the staging area in my bedroom, which is like on the second Max floor. Max Scherzer pacing around which in the is, tunnel. Yeah, almost as hot. Yesterday, I went up twice. I just went up, and then I, I, I left. It was too hot. I was like... So there's going to be some amazing footage that they disorder. had in the archives. I assume so. Uh, Raiders and Ravens last night. Good game. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't stay up for all of it. If you're Lamar Jackson and you fumble in the fourth quarter and lose it and you fumble in the overtime and you lose it, it's not a good look. It doesn't matter that you were the MVP a couple of years ago. It's not a good look. If you fumble, your team's chances away. Um, the Raiders had what they thought was the winning touchdown, and there was no possession of the ball, right? That's yeah. how it was ruled. No, and, and it looked like a real call. looked like a real call. They ended up winning it. Um, so we have that we can talk about, I guess. Did you watch any of the Manning brothers on the uh I had the forgotten they were on, so I wanted to ask you how it was. Wilbon said they were great. Um, I had another email, uh, another text saying it didn't work at all. Where were you on it? I, I, was, I think Peyton I was, Manning knows how to do I these I was things. swinging more to it was very good, and it will be great in a couple weeks. I think they're staying with it. The, Eli and Peyton look like they're doing a Banana Republic commercial with the, with the tight jeans, a little bit higher than you might wear them right now, the tucked in uh, button down. And they're trying to decide how football we, how football-y do we want to be in terms of how we're seeing. I mean, they're calling plays up to the line and, and up to when the ball has been hiked. And, and you just go, they're seeing everything. And I was well, thinking about, yeah. I was seeing, yeah, they have a few, a few Super Bowls between them. Yeah. I was thinking about Wilbon's experience um, out in San Francisco, because at one point it feels like they're, maybe it was with Ray Lewis or with uh, Barkley where Payne just goes, all right, we got to, we're going we're to watch this drive right here. Uh, and you just see, you see that turn on. It's, Eli was the wonderful younger brother who looked like he had been uh, dutifully prepared by some producer. Uh, at one point, the, you know, the, director the producer's voice cut in when they're about to go to a commercial because i'm sure they're all trying to figure this out and these are uh, they've never done this we're not necessarily used to this type of rhythm never done it for this the whole entire game so eli's doing those whole prepare questions like hey ray uh when you're uh when you're on the other side of the ball are you were you trying to prep uh, watching as much tape as we would watch and he just cues up this great thing about like i you know back in the late 90s i saw how much preparation the quarterbacks were doing so i brought that to the defensive side of the ball it, it looked like he was prepped with the, okay, I'm going to get out with the live read here. They've never done this before. It's going to get better. Eli Manning understands his role as the younger brother in second banana. He understands that. Peyton Manning has been a leader his whole life. As a quarterback and a an Hall of Fame quarterback, he knows how to put people in position. He knows how to execute plays. He knows what he has to do. It would surprise me if they weren't terrific, if they continue to do it. About six weeks ago, when I heard about this thing, I called an unnamed executive at ESPN. And I said, you should call this Manning Night Football. And they should. Uh, it's a separate broadcast. It does not detract from in any way, the regular broadcast, it's an adjunct. It's an alternative. It's, yeah, it's an alternative universe. And I think it could be very good, though I concede I didn't watch it. 
No, and, you're, and, and under your sort of description of that, you're watching it for the personalities of these two brothers. Because that's, right. that's the That is the way that you would watch it in your own, own household if you're watching with friends. And I think that's why they're trying to bring in all these guests, though it's, it does feel a little bit disjointed because you have and it will both for a brothers while. in different spots. You have the guest who's sitting on a couch wherever you know, he or she's watching. It will be hard for a while, but I think that Peyton, I don't, let me say this about Peyton Manning, who I don't know well at all, but I've been around him a little bit. I think when Peyton Manning puts his name on something, he works very, very hard at it, and he will do the best he can to make it as good as possible. He's a natural on television. I mean, everybody remembers a Saturday Night Live hosting. I mean, he was just, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Let me move on. Let me stay with quarterbacks for 800, Alex. Ryan Fitzpatrick has buzzard's luck. He's been in the league for 17 years. He's never been in a playoff game, never. He gets to the point with a team that was in the playoffs last year, and in the first game of the year, he breaks his hip. Somebody slams him to the ground and breaks his hip. He's on the IR. He has to miss. I think technically it's true. He has to miss at least three games. Taylor Heineke will, bat, will be the starter, and Kyle Allen will back him up. And there's something to be said here because a lot of people will say Cam Newton. Cam Newton played for Ron Rivera in Carolina. Cam Newton got to the Super Bowl for Ron Rivera in Carolina. My response would be, if Ron Rivera thought Cam Newton was any good at all, he would have brought him in last year when he was available. I'd be stunned if Cam Newton joins this team, wouldn't you? I would. Just Ron, Vera, Ron Vera's made a judgment on him. Yeah, considering what the conversation around Cam Newton over the last couple of weeks is also um, involved. But you have to be excited. I mean, you can't look at what Heineke did at the end of last season and think we're not in an okay position. I mean, I say that loosely, we. Yeah. But yeah. So I, uh, the tough thing is with their schedule. You look at you have the Giants here with the quick turnaround. And that's, a Thursday, have, yeah, that's a Thursday night game. But my expectations are that the preponderance of teams in the NFL after two weeks will be one and one. I will say this with the Raiders winning last night. Now, this is, you don't want to make this judgment after one week. You, you don't want to overreact. But boy, oh boy. One week. Boy, oh boy. The NFC West and the AFC West were all 4-0. Each one of those teams won. Like that looks like, does that not look like a power shift? Well, you, I thought you had expectation of where the direction of the league was going, that those teams would continue to be on the rise. I was, I wasn't. I didn't think that the Raiders would necessarily beat Baltimore. I didn't think Denver was any good at all. I didn't. the The Chargers have a good quarterback. I wasn't sure that they'd beat Washington because I thought Washington's defense. I thought was I thought good. WFT's defense would take over that game, and they, yeah. they still had the chance to do so yeah. in, in the fourth quarter, and they did not. And I guess if you're looking at Denver, you're still looking at you're circling the NFC East, just saying maybe they still Easy. are, you know, yeah. a year or two away. That's right. Um, but I would say that that the NFC West, that's murderer's row. They're really good. All four of those teams are really good. So we will take a break. Uh, when we come back, is, do we have Jeff Passon or do we have Pat Forty, Nigel? Pat Forty will be next. Pat Forty when we return. Okay, I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X Chair Read. This is new copy. I'm looking at it for the first time. So I'm just going to read it. Should I just go straight to the attic right now? <laughs> Why would you do that? I just thought to, the to new bring copy, the X chair yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, Michael brings the X chair down. Oh, so Tracy's upset about one thing. I got a text from Tracy about bringing the chair down. Yeah, because because I she says she you. says that my no no, she says that the attachment to 
the earpiece, which goes on my collar, when it rides down, because it's a long cord, it gets caught in the X chair. And when I rise up, not to necessarily get up, but maybe just even to make a point, it sort of gets ripped off my collar. And she blames the X chair. And I said, come on. No, we love the X chair, because when I leave the X chair, my legs don't hurt. So let's read the copy. If you've ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car and you realize how much better a car can be, you never want to settle for a regular car again. That's how I think you'll feel after you sit in an X chair. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's dynamic patented, dynam, patented dynamic variable lumbar, or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. So try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, T-O-N-Y.com for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort xchairtony.com use the code people you're listening to the tony kornheiser show the tony kornheiser show we played a song by james mcdougall yesterday we played texas star we're playing another song today this is called tennessee volunteer so i'm just sort of wondering when you run out of t states texas tennessee i guess you've sort of run out of them already what other state do you move to to have to create you know, something that's important enough to be a song about. Like, what would it be? Vermont Cows? Something like that. Anyway. Yeah, and you got another one, too, Virginia. You got two V's, two T's. All right, this is James McDougall, Tennessee Volunteer, playing in Pat Forty. was not a Tennessee Volunteer and was never a member of the Tennessee Volunteer Corps. Pat Forty in Sports Illustrated. And last night when I got ready for this, the first question I wrote down was... Seriously, oh my God, Florida State. And then this morning I said, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to do oh my God, USC. We're going to start with that. After what, one game, two games, USC fired Clay Helton? USC fires coaches like since Pete Carroll left? USC is, it's, it's, what, it's a sinkhole. It's a total disaster. What was this about, Pat? Uh, this was about Clay Helton really having survived as their head coach longer than his record would have merited it, but just through a kind of a bizarre collection of circumstances that got him into a seventh season. And it was clear that they were just waiting for the one game that would give them the excuse to, to get rid of it. Because they they got it. I mean, it was an atrocious performance against uh, Stanford, who had looked atrocious itself the the week before. But you know, Clay Helton was still the coach because Lynn Swan was a terrible athletic director and gave him a contract he shouldn't have. Because when Mike Bone came in as the athletic director, it was November of 2019, and he didn't feel like he knew the athletic department well enough to make major changes yet. Then there was a pandemic. And so it was like, this was about two years, or if not three years overdue. 
Uh, it's, it's still, I mean, yes, shocking two games into the season. Yes. Uh, and, yes, USC has cornered the market certainly on brutal firings. They fired Lane Kiffin on the tarmac after a loss on the road. Yeah. Uh, they trapdoored Steve Sarkeesian, who really trapdoored himself, and now this. So it, it's a bizarre place. I don't. I, I think if you're maybe in your 20s or even in your 30s, you don't understand how great USC football was. Uh, you, USC football, Ohio State football, Alabama football. I'm sure I'm leaving one or two schools out, but I'm Oklahoma football, Nebraska football. Uh, USC uh, produced some of the greatest professional football players of all time. USC contended for national championships every single year in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Uh, every single year. This is the University of Southern California. These are the Trojans, kids. They were the greatest. What in God's name happened to that school? Yeah, I mean, honest to God, you, I mean, like you stack everything up, their their tradition is is top five in the history of the sport. Uh, yes. There's no doubt about it. And yes. and yeah, you like yes, if you're old like us and you turned on the TV in the '70s when you get like two games a day, maybe two games a week, and you get the sunshine in the Coliseum and you get the song girls and you get Traveler the Horse and all that stuff yeah. and the great uniforms yeah. and it's like this is the greatest place on earth. Yes. Uh, but still, even as, as recently as, as the 2000s, they were winning national championships with Pete Carroll. Uh, but after Pete Carroll left and they got hit with NCAA sanctions, they made bad hires. Uh, they had bad leadership. They got behind on facilities. And they, did, they blew the they, – they cooked the golden goose. I mean, they just screwed it up eight different ways. And – it can still be brought back. I'm convinced of it. Maybe because I'm old and saw how good it was, but I, I really still think that's a great, great job if they just get out of their own way. All right. So we go from oh my god USC back to oh my god Florida State. Now Florida State was a great program under Bobby Bowden and was still very, very good under Jimbo Fisher. It does not have the decades and decades and decades tradition that USC does, but if you were to say from, go from 1980 on, you'd say Florida State was easily top 10 and maybe even top five in the whole country. They fire coaches every year. They hire a guy, they fire a guy, they just lost, they lost to a one, that's a one double A school, right? Jacksonville, Jacksonville State. You can't even put them on the schedule without thinking you're going to beat them by 60 points. Well, let me repeat the question. What in God's name is going on there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's just spectacular dysfunction. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I was actually watching that game live. I was trying to watch really? everything. Yeah, I was trying to watch everything, and I'm flipping around, and I was like, that's a three, why, that is a three-point game with an FCS team with, like, two minutes to play or four minutes to play? Okay, I'll watch the end of this. And Jacksonville State, bless their hearts, is – just butchering the two-minute drill. I mean, they could not be doing it any worse. They are, they are just blowing the clock. They're running bad plays. The quarterback's making bad decisions. And you're just like, okay, please mercifully end this disaster of a game. And all of a sudden on the last play, they throw it 60 yards yeah. for a touchdown because Florida State is acting like there's still three minutes left in the game with their coverage. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that should have probably gotten fired on Sunday or Monday? It would be the defensive coordinator for Florida State because I don't yeah. know how you come up with that coverage with six seconds left when the other team is 60 yards away from the end zone. But 
they are a mess. That program is in such bad shape, and they just can't seem to, to get it back going. I mean, it, the last year under Jimbo Fisher was bad. The two years under Willie Taggart were worse. The first year under Mike Norvell was horrible, and then this was rock bottom. So things are going well in Tallahassee. How many coaches can they buy out? They've got money, but how many coaches can they buy out? That actually doesn't – I agree with you about USC. I don't think Florida State's a good job now. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I mean, look at the track record right now suggests it's not. I mean, uh, they were another place that I think things were going so well for so long under Bowden and then Fisher that they stopped modernizing in terms of – you know, facilities and infrastructure and staffing and all those things. And it's been hard to get it back, really hard to get it back. And if you look in the state of Florida, who's competed for a national title since uh, since Jameis Winston left? They're in 2013. Before that, Florida last won a title in 2008. Miami, 2001. Everybody looks at Florida and says that's a gold mine, but nobody's able to actually turn the gold into anything. Uh, in the, for more, nearly a decade now. So I, that could be a sucker job. It really can be. Uh, and what does this say about Notre Dame? Notre Dame <laughs> goes the route with Florida State, and then is it Toledo that they barely beat? They had to come back in the last few minutes to beat a bad team, right? Or was it Ohio or Toledo? Somebody. Toledo. Toledo, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was what absolutely down to the wire on a streaming service that, that eight people had subscribed to before then, but then – a million people subscribe to to hate watch Notre Dame almost lose to a MAC team, uh, but you know <laughs> Notre Dame. I I kind of thought this would be a year where Notre Dame took a step back. I just thought that that they're uh, they had to replace a lot uh, of talent and experience, and as well as they've recruited year in year out. I think this is a year where they're not as good as they have been for the last four or five. And I'll use that sentence to segue into Ohio State. They are clearly not as good as they have been. Their defense is dreadful. They allowed 249 rushing yards the other day to Oregon after allowing 200 rushing yards in conference to Minnesota. Does this make, in your mind, Iowa the top dog in the Big Ten, or is the entire Big Ten is the entire Big Ten going to be overrated this year? Because Ohio State, they are overrated at the moment. Yeah, as of today, Iowa uh, has done the most, certainly, for two weeks. I mean, they've been... They've been impressive without being terribly good offensively. They certainly don't throw it very well, but still, uh, they've they've done more than anyone else. Uh, we'll see about Penn State, but Ohio State, yeah, that that was shocking to watch to me because there had been all the build up to this season. Yeah, you know, they had gotten to the point of, of kind of almost autopilot where it doesn't matter who they lose; they're still going to be good. That that had become the expectation. Yeah. And now that certainly does not appear to be the case. And here's your stat for you, Tony. If you go back to the 52 points they gave up in the championship game against Alabama, the 31 against Minnesota, and the 35 against Oregon, that's 118 wow. points. The last time Ohio State gave up 118 points in three games, 1891. Not even you were alive for that. <laughs> no, I was not. I was not alive then. It makes me happy, of course, when Big Ten schools lose because it makes Wilbon so crazy. <laughs> so it always makes me happy. But o- Ohio State, you know, I mean, I, I just think that it's possible that they're overrated. And, and I'm one of those people who made fun of the Pac-12 and said that Larry Scott, and I believe this, is the worst commissioner of all time and sunk what was a great conference. But UCLA beat LSU. 
and Oregon, you know, went on the road and beat Ohio State. Maybe the Pac-12, I, notwithstanding what we've said about USC, maybe the Pac-12 is better. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, it looks like they've got a couple high-quality teams, for sure. I mean, those were big, big non-conference wins for a conference that hadn't had very many good non-conference wins in a long time. So if those two can maintain it, uh, yeah, I think they play each other October 23rd or something, and the, you know that would be that, that game that uh, you wouldn't expect to be looking at, but Oregon-UCLA could be a really yeah. big one, and they could have a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. I'll get out of here on this note. The the Big 12, which is left out of the alliance and the Big 12 in which Texas and Oklahoma are leaving and leaving them with just spoiled meat, they've reached out to four different schools. You mentioned Florida before. They reached out to Central Florida. They reached out to BYU. They reached out to Houston and Cincinnati. Houston and Cincinnati are basketball schools. BYU gives you a toehold in the mountain time zone, which nobody cares about. And Central Florida is Central Florida. <laughs> That's what it is. It's Central Florida. Does this save the Big 12, or will you allow me to just continue to laugh at them? Oh, you can bury them if you want. That's fine. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, they're making the best of a terrible situation. Right. Um, and, and on your list of, oh, my God, teams, that's, we didn't even get around to Texas and their, their performance right. over the weekend. Right. But, Terrible. Terrible. You know, yeah, they, but that's Texas. It's like they just keep going out and wrecking the family car and saying, oh, we'll buy a new one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, bringing in these four programs gives them some stability, some strength in numbers. And they went and probably got the four best candidates, you know, to, to at least make them – somewhat viable. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're obviously not as good. If you take out Texas and Oklahoma and you add yeah. those four, that's still subtraction. But yes. it, it, it keeps them ahead of the American Athletic Conference, which they rated, and everyone else. And we'll see, you know, what their long-term standing is. But that, that was really, if you've got a, a series of bad choices in front of you, they made the best bad choice. I just can't wait for this to start happening in basketball as well. And at some point, the ACC gets raided by somebody else, and they go to they turn to Binghamton to get a toehold in the southern <laughs> tier of New York State, and to get a team that'll lose all eighteen league games. Thank you, Pat. Talk soon. Thank you, Tony. All right, Pat. Forty boys and girls will take a break when we return. Jeff Passan will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the DoorDash ad. I'm going to read it for the first time with you. You can listen. Find yourself ordering with DoorDash more than twice per month. In that case, let's talk about getting you signed up for Dash Pass. Twice per week. Twice per week? Yeah. You do that? So you should get Dash Pass, the easiest way to save money on what you're already eating. Your Dasher is on its way. Does it feel like you're paying more for delivery fees than your meals with Dash Pass from DoorDash? It's hard to read. You'll never have to worry about again. A Dash Pass is... a I'm telling you, dash, when you end something with SH and then yeah. you end it with SS, that is hard to read. Dash Pass. Dash Pass Ooh. is a membership that offers unlimited $0 delivery fees from thousands of restaurants, grocery stores, and convenience stores. With your membership, you can save an average of 4 to $5 on each order you place for delivery or pickup. That means on average, Dash Pass pays for itself when you order twice a month. With over 18,000 restaurants eligible for Dash Pass, you may even find a new favorite restaurant. Flowers, pet supplies, groceries, DoorDash has so much more than just restaurants. 
Try a free month of Dash Pass now and watch your savings add up. Start or stop your membership anytime after your free trial ends. If you're ready to save money on your DoorDash orders, DoorDash is offering a free month for Dash Pass right now. Stop spending money on delivery fees. Try Dash Pass from DoorDash today for free. That's right. That's what we're doing. And I guess you can, how do you get them? Just call DoorDash? I guess. DoorDash.com, oh, maybe? Call Penn. Yeah, call Penn. Penn. Penn was there at the creation of this. So do that. And if there's a code, use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Jim Baz Knight. This is rock and roll. This is a song called Uncertain. Jim Baz Knight is represented for UK and European dates by 4W1 Agency in Ireland. He's going to be in the UK and Ireland doing solo dates from November 15th through December 16th. That's pretty cool. He sent us a bunch of songs, and we, Nigel, we always like Jim Baz Knight's songs, right? Absolutely. Very talented fellow. Uh, always, always pleased to get songs from him. Really good. Really good. Um, if people like Jim Baznight and, uh, and anybody else who wants to send us their original music want to do it, Michael, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. He plays in Jeff Passan, and I, had, I wanted to start with Warrior Guard Max Scherzer and how great Max Scherzer has been and why Max Scherzer should get the Cy Young. And then this morning I was watching SportsCenter, and I saw, lo and behold, Clayton Kershaw came back and pitched five pretty good innings, Clayton Kershaw. I, I understand that the Giants never lose, Jeff, and I guess the Giants <laughs> are going to win the division. I mean, I guess this is going to happen because the Dodgers don't lose much and the Giants never lose. But boy, oh boy, if Kershaw is healthy, who's going to beat the Dodgers? I, I have been asking that same question, Tony, all season long. And it, it, it almost gets frustrating to a point when you're as wrong as I've been about the Dodgers winning the National League West. I, I, I have stubbornly placed them number one in my power rankings because I feel sort of pot committed at this point, even though the Giants have had a better record than them for the vast majority of the season now and certainly the most important parts of the season up to this point. But uh, I, I you know, I think the only thing standing in the way of the Los Angeles Dodgers right now, and I felt this way from the start, is baseball. And what I mean by that is if they end up in a wild card game, a crappy team can beat a really good team in That's one right. game. That's and right. another good team has an even better chance of beating a very good team in one game. Uh, a lesser team... Or, or in this case, maybe a better team, if they do win the wild card in the Giants, can beat them in a five-game series. And the Giants, in fact, did beat them in a 19-game series this year, so they did it over a longer stretch. Uh, it's just hard, Tony, looking at all of the names and all of the performances by them and somehow fathoming that a team that has Max Scherzer and Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger, and I can go on and on and on about everybody who's in the Dodgers lineup, can possibly lose because the names are just so impressive that it, you can't put together or conceive of a scenario where another team beats them, and yet the, the Giants have been doing it all year. 
Uh, all credit in the world to the Giants, all credit in the world to Gabe Kapler, who Philadelphia didn't think was good enough and is now finding yeah. out that whoever manages Philadelphia isn't good enough. And he goes to the Giants <laughs> and he does great. But I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes on Scherzer, who I completely revere. Uh, the Dodgers yeah. are 8-0 when Scherzer starts. He's 6-0. and His ERA with the Dodgers is under 1. He's got to – I don't say he's got to be, but I would think – do you think he's the Cy Young winner in the National League? I do. Cor- Corbin Burns has been really, really good this year. So I don't want to discount him at all. And if you look at the numbers, um, they're pretty darn close. I mean, Burns, at least rate-wise, is ahead of him in pretty much every category, including strikeouts more, including walks. I believe he's fewer okay. at this point. Way fewer home runs. Also fewer innings. Um, he was out with COVID for a little while. Uh, let, me, let me posit this to you, Tony. As somebody who's been a longtime admirer um, of Max Scherzer, you might have uh, a, a, some deep reservoir of knowledge on this um, uh, deeper than mine. Is he better than he's ever been right now? Because the numbers say that he is. He, with the Dodgers, he has been better than he's ever been yeah. I, I would say if you went back to his first year with the Nats, because I think maybe changing teams and having something to prove um, taps mm-hmm. into something in his mm-hmm. soul that's different than any other year. But he, he, like with the Nats, he always gave up runs early, gave up home runs. You know, they always said, well, yes. they were solo home runs until they weren't. But since he's gotten to the Dodgers, this is Verlander going to the Astros. It's like he's a completely dominating pitcher at this point and what i wonder about i mean he's obviously a hall of fame pitcher is he going to re-sign with the dodgers do you think i mean because a lot of people thought maybe he'd go home to st louis but would he resign would he re-sign with the dodgers because he my my son was even saying this he looks so good in a dodger uniform he really does so this dovetails nicely with something we've talked about uh in the past if trevor bauer Tony gets suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season, which I think is a distinct possibility. Sure. The the Dodgers do not only get to avoid paying the $45 million that they owe him in salary, but the luxury tax hit of $34 million that he was going to cost against their competitive balance tax payroll is completely wiped off. And guess where that money's going to go? Max Scherzer. I, I, the, the question at this point, um, to me, is just how much can Max Scherzer get? I mean, Bauer illustrated that teams, specifically the Dodgers, are willing to pay $40, 45000000 million. If you're Scott Boris at this point, aren't you going to teams and saying Max Scherzer is better than he's ever been? I don't care what the aging curve says. In his 30s, he was better than he was in his 20s. The aging curve does not apply to him. Ergo, I want $50 million for the next four years each for him. And, I mean, it's absurd, but is it that absurd? Well, I mean, just look at the numbers he's put up with the Dodgers. Now, I would I would guess that they won't be as good next year because he will have settled in and he will have proven everything he has to prove, and then he'll go back to being just the great Max Scherzer and not the super great Max Scherzer. But, yeah, he'll get a lot of money. Let me go to the wild card things because the Dodgers are in play. 
in the second wild card, though, because that's the only one in play in National League, differently from the American League. In the second wild card, the Reds, now the Cardinals, and San Diego gassing a little bit. Who you got? I, I almost want to make a request of you that we just avoid talking about this because they all stink. Like, honestly, <laughs> they, they, now nah, these teams, these teams really do not feel like they're worth our time. Um, whoever it is uh, really should lose to the Dodgers. It would be that that's the shame of this. You know, narratively, this is setting up for the most David versus Goliath playoffs yes. Uh, yes. that we've seen in a really, really long time. Um, I don't like any of them, um, but if if I'm going to pick a team that can go in to Los Angeles or San Francisco and win, part of me wonders if it's 40-year-old Adam Wainwright pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are a good baseball team, and I don't think they are a worthy playoff team, just like I don't think San Diego's there right now, the way they've tanked and Cincinnati hasn't taken advantage of this great schedule that it has. And Philadelphia and the Mets, I don't even know why I brought them up. They suck, too. Yeah, yeah um, that's bad. But, but, but I'm telling you, uh, Wainwright versus Scherzer and or Bueller would be something to see. Uh, I would say the same about Blake Snell, which would scare me if I were the Dodgers. Yeah, if ta- yeah, that's if yeah. He did tweak he did tweak his groin though and you know Darvish got knocked around last yes, night. Yes he did. Like, yes he San, did. San Diego San Diego is just the disappointing team of the 2021 season. How they've gone from the team that was supposed to be neck and neck with the Dodgers to the team that is now 20 games back of the Giants it's nuts. No, you're right about that. Cincinnati, you, you mentioned this you, without being specific, so I will be specific because I learned this yesterday. Last 18 games of the season, Cincinnati has 13 against the Pirates and the Nats. If they don't become the second wild card, they need to clear everybody out because those, these are non-competitive teams. The, the yeah. Nats almost got perfectoed last night. <laughs> Come on. It's just I... oh, they're awful. Awful. Uh, they, Awful. They are they are terrible, and I feel true pain for Nats fans having to watch Max Scherzer and Trey Turner do what they're doing right yeah. now. All right, let me go to the other league where the teams aren't bad. They are not bad. No. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, Seattle, and Oakland. There are two wild cards available for all of those teams. Am I correct on that? I think I'm correct on that. Two wild cards you available are- because Chicago, Tampa – and Houston are going to be in normally. So of those five, and they're pretty good, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Blue Jays so hot right now, Seattle and Oakland, who you got? Maybe I'm prisoner of the moment right now, but I have been on the Blue Jays bandwagon most of this season because, and just like waiting for their record to catch up to their run differential. They've always had a really high run differential. And typically, Tony, when you outscore your opponent, your record's going to be pretty good. And the Blue Jays' record just wasn't reflective of that. And finally, they have caught up and and own the first wild spot right now. And to me, the the most interesting part of the Blue Jays um, is when you take their lineup and take their starting rotation and match it up against the rest of the American League, it might be the best 
Like it's really? up there with the wow. Yeah, I think I think it looks like it's up there with the White Sox. Like, uh, let's let's look at this lineup that they had last night. And I'm going off the top of my head here. They had George Springer leading off, Marcus Simeon, who in any other year uh, would get a ton of top line MVP votes. Yep, Vlad yep. Guerrero, who is trying to push right now, Shohei Otani to get MVP votes because he might win the triple crown. Uh, Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez, who's probably the most underrated player in baseball. So you've got that group of guys in the top five. And then you've got a rotation. They traded for Jose Barrios. He's been awesome. Alec Manoa, the rookie, has been fantastic. Hunjin Ryu has been great. And Robbie Ray is going to probably win the American League Cy Young. The only question about the Blue Jays at this point is their bullpen. Hasn't been great in the second half, but they found four or five guys on whom they can rely. They just got Julian Merriweather back from the injured list. They have a chance to run the table here in the American League, and their emergence has been the most interesting part of it. The second wild card, I think Boston, maybe, but I don't know at this point. It's To me, it's a toss-up among those other four with New York and Boston probably slightly ahead of Oakland and Seattle. And uh, I think Toronto's in. The best thing Toronto did in the bullpen was DFA Brad Hand. He stinks, <laughs> and they got rid of him. And they, 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 another recognition how terrible that guy is. So, and I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to tell you this. The next time we talk, because you mentioned Vlad Guerrero, the next time we talk, if Vlad Guerrero is still alive for the Triple Crown, which, by the way, might not only be the Triple Crown in the American League, but might lead all of baseball, which hasn't been done since Mickey Mantle in 1956. And then you've got Shohei Otani doing something that has never been done. And, Jeff, this is 1941. This is when DiMaggio had 56 and Ted Williams yep. batted 406 and DiMaggio yep. won the MVP. It's an impossible yep. vote on a lot of levels. So you think about that because we will spend 10 minutes talking about that. Because I would think if you're a baseball guy, it, it's, it's the coolest thing to think about in, in all of your coverage about individual awards. Am I wrong on that? Well, Tony, guess who has an American League MVP vote this year? You do. I most certainly do. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that some years you just fill out the ballot and it, it's just like, okay, it's rote. You know, you, you do your research, and it, but you know who's at the top, certainly. It's tougher to go down ballot. This year, I thought it was a fait accompli where it was going to be Otani at the top. Sure. But Vla Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is, is – endeavoring to make a case and and it's a case that i'm going to give some weight to probably more weight than i would in other years because I, I you know i'm not the person who falls prey to the triple crown and all of the uh, narrative heft behind it i was the guy who the year miguel cabrera won it actually said mike trout was the mvp so maybe I'm just partial to Los Angeles Angels against Triple Crown winners, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun one to fill out. We'll talk about that because I think that in in MVP land, I think taking your team to the playoffs means a lot to me. You know, going to the playoffs is a big weight on that. But we'll talk about that the next time. Thank you, Jeff. See you soon. Jeff Passon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer is coming to an end. Leaves are about to fall. 
While Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by seeing how much you can save on home and auto insurance. Policy Genius can help you refresh your cool weather wardrobe for autumn, but they do make it easy to see if you're overpaying for another kind of coverage, home and auto insurance. I wish they could come here and fix my air conditioning while they think about all of these cool things for autumn. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on the auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Their team will handle the paperwork to set up your new policy or switch over your current one. Getting started is easy. First head to policygenius.com. Answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius takes it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. So head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Dwight Howard kills his team, I hate him, I do. Oh, and Sid's boss does not have to pee, I hate his guts too. Scared of technology boats, bridges to fly, and you know, and you know, and you know, did you know? Did you know I used to live in New York? Of all the ones we've ever had, this may be the best. It's brilliant. It's Kirsten Onstad. It's brilliant. He said, it's been a while since I've jingled, but when you mentioned Simon and Garfunkel's The Only Living Boy in New York on the show last week, around the same time you were repeating again your hatred of Stefano Tsitsipas, <laughs> the idea for a jingle of that song immediately popped into my head, and the rest is out of my control at this point. How do you feel about the Bay Bridge? It's rough, but I've been over it. I've been over it a number of times. That's brilliant. Right? Brilliant. It's absolutely Abs- brilliant, Kirsten. It's absolutely brilliant. Nigel, do the Bethesda, Bethesda Bagels ad, please. Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Where can you find them? Just go to BethesdaBagels.com uh, .com to find the location in the D.C. area nearest you and then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Bunch of bagels today for all, all of us. Thank you very much. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, oh, when the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof and your shoes get so hot you wish your tired feet were fireproof, under the boardwalk, down by the sea, on a blanket with my baby is where I'll be. Those are the drifters, and that was probably written by Carol King. I believe you know, so, yeah. Or Jerry Goffin or somebody like that. And that's a Brill Building song, kids. Hard, hard to read those lyrics without singing it. Yeah, it's exactly. just fantastic. Yeah, yes, it's yeah. very true. Yeah. Well, it goes from up on the roof to under the boardwalk. Those were the two great songs about, you know, life in New York City. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Pat Forty, Jeff Passan. Thanks to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, DoorDash, X-Chair, 
Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Dash Pass. Dash Pass. Dash Pass. I know you can say it, but I have to really struggle with it. From Kurt Unruh in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Round of your life, huh? Were you playing with Bishop Pickering? That is a (laughs) reference to Caddyshack, I believe. Ernie Zegers, Bel Air, Maryland, formerly Roscoe, New York. And I spent a lot of time in the Roscoe Diner in my life in Roscoe, New York, on my way to Binghamton. To all those people complaining about their names, I have a double whammy for you. You can imagine the number of Sesame Street references I get when I tell people my name is Ernie. They range from do you live on Sesame Street to where's Bert? It's funny to see the quizzical looks I get when I tell them that my brother Bert lives in Florida now. Yes, my name is Ernie and I have a brother named Bert. No, my parents weren't big fans of Sesame Street. My brother is older than me. I was born in 1968. Sesame Street came out in 1969. Perfect timing for a lifetime of annoyances. I've been a big fan for over 20 years. I had the pleasure of meeting you in your limited headlining at Chatter. Thank you so much. Uh, From Andrew, love the pod. My one-year-old son loves Tony Kornheiser. Every time he sees him on PTI, he crawls over to the TV and waves to him. We're out to dinner at a pub the other night, and he saw Tony on PTI on the TV at the bar and started aggressively waving. Keep up the awesome work. And that's from Andrew and my one-year-old son, Luca. It's very, very nice. I appreciate that. You could celebrate Grandparents' Day with him. Yeah. Some people got left out on Grandparents' Day, which was last Sunday, kids. Todd McElwee in Hagerstown, Maryland. I only know because when I went to write, seriously, I, I make diary entries every single day, and late at night I saw it was Grandparents' Day. So much to tell you. From Todd McElwee in Hagerstown, Maryland, I'm elated to announce the newest or newer little Rory McElwee. Rory McElwee. Hopefully, with that name, he can score a tea time or two from a confused pro during a call to the shop. <laughs> also, his middle name is Ethan for the initials REM. Undoubtedly, he'll send an email with his name, adventures, or gripes in a few decades. Don't go back to Rockville. Don't worry, I'm not. From Philip Braddock in San Francisco. Approximately one year ago, I used the code. I got in touch with Duska Jensen at Willamette Valley Vineyards and bought a box of that. Well, I have a few friends getting married at the end of the month, so what I what did I do? You guessed it. I got back in touch with Madam Jensen. And let's just say that we have another real-life case of Littles helping Littles. Although we hadn't spoken in over a year, Duska couldn't have been nicer. She helped me pick a, very few, uh, pick a few nice bottles, very nice bottles for the bride and groom. It says bridge and groom. It's misspelled here. And we chatted freely for a few minutes. A huge thank you to Madam Jensen, the entire WVV crew, and you, Mr. Tony, for connecting us littles who would otherwise be disconnected. Here's to drinking the reds over the sink and to the connective tissue of the show. And also, we mentioned Bells Up yeah. with with Mr. Spector, you know, because Dave, Dave Spector, right? Yes. It's Dave Spector. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, those are the two wineries that we use out there in the Willamette Valley, damn it. Willamette. From Andrew Reese in Naples, Florida. I see that Fran Drescher was elected as president of SAG-AFTRA. Aren't you a member of that union? I am. Perhaps you could have her on the show sometime to discuss the (laughs) issues of common interest as actors. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Greg Thomas, Cincinnati, Ohio. I listened to how the X chair does not cause you pain when you sit in it for PTI and how the chair at Uncle Benny's table leaves you sore and stiff. Then you tried to shame Michael into moving the X chair downstairs. Are you kidding me? Just buy another chair. You who wants everyone to spend $300 on a freaking toaster, can't spend a little money for a chair that will make you feel good. Seriously, oh, use the code. You get $100 off. This is brilliant. 
from Greg Thomas. Don't forget the blade casters. One more. Chris in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> On Thursday's show, you mentioned that because of your hip problems, that Michael should bring the X chair from the attic oh, down to Uncle here. Benny's table for the pod and then bring it up to the attic for PTI. I have a better idea. Never mind that you could use some of Michael's inheritance to get another chair or that you have a code to use. Instead, why don't you just call up the X chair people, use an accent and say, more chair. That's pretty good. <laughs> could do that. And we'll do one more. From Jesse West in Chesapeake, Virginia, because maybe Michael will know this course. I need a fourth to play in the MLB Umpires Charity Umps Care Golf Tournament at Westfield Golf Club in Maryland on October 18th. It was always my dream to bid on the V Foundation round of golf with you, but in those days I didn't have the money to pay for the lunch you wouldn't have attended. So now that I can participate in this charity and need a fourth, I thought I'd see if you were available. If not, I'd even be happy to play with Michael, Gary, or Saliza. Still no? Do you think Joe Arrow is busy that day? So Michael is now Googling Westfield Golf Club. What town so I, only know, I only know Westfield out in Virginia, Westfield Golf Club. I'm looking up to see the course in Maryland. Yeah, so I don't know that. I don't, oh. I don't want to take that spot from Joe Arrow. Right. Josh Nance in Greensboro, North Carolina. On Thursday's podcast, you had a banjo-themed mailbag song, and you said banjos. Who doesn't like banjos? Might I submit for your consideration the name Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, and John Voight. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the Schaputzfa to do it. Neither has worked out, I fear. 
so I cross that state line Cause I've heard you're all fine Who'll be my Tennessee?